it is with great pleasure that I invite um, Benita to preach. Now, I think, is Angel doing the Bible reading for us? Yeah, so Angel's going to bring us the Bible reading and, and then we'll have Benita come up and share the word. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what Benita has for us because it's always, it's always passionate, it's always heartfelt and it's always um, worked out of uh, her living relationship with God. It's always something that God has been stirring upon her. So, Angel. I'll read Act 4, verse 32 to 37. And all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerful at work in all of them, in them all that there was no needy persons among them for from time to time those who owned land or houses sold them, bought the money from the sales and put the and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph a a Levite from Cyprus whom the apostles called Benanes, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And then it goes on to Acts chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. Now a man named Ananias together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property with his wife's full knowledge. He kept back part of the money for himself, but bought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, how is that Satan has filled your heart that you had Lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to just human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized. When Ananias, all who heard what had happened, then some young man came forward, wrapped his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in. 
Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the man who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At the moment, she fell down at his feet and died. The young man um, came in finding her dead, carried her out and buried, and buried her besides her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and who heard about these events. Good afternoon, everyone. It's been a while coming. I was supposed to preach about three weeks ago, but um, here I am. But um, I'd like to just pray first, if I could, please. Lord, I thank you this afternoon for your blessedness, Lord. I thank you for this church. I thank you for everyone in it. And I pray today, Lord, that everything I say will be from the Holy Spirit, Lord, and that you will bless everyone with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, I like what Annette said because I like true stories. And um, even when I'm home, if we're watching a picture, I say, to, I don't particularly like science fiction. I love to watch true stories. So everything I say today is true and it's from the Bible. But I've been thinking about, Angel, thank you for reading that scripture. It was a long scripture. But um, I just want to say, step back a bit. Is it echoing? Okay, is that better? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, the scripture and um, can't even remember what I was saying now. But anyway, I'll just start with, um, it's about the church. I am talking about the local church and I'm talking about uh, a few things at the beginning just to lay the foundation about church and our church life here at Coolerman. And I just want to say, when I was um, laying in bed the other night, I thought about a train trip. And I do often take trips on the train. And uh, when I get on the train, there are people already on the train. And um, I don't mind the train because I don't have to drive. And I don't usually drive anyway, Graham does, but I help him drive. <laughs> And you can look out the window and you can see things. And there are people on that train that were on it before me. But then, you know, we get to Juni and people get off that train and some people get on the train. And this goes on right until the end of the journey. If I'm going to Central, there's people that stay on that journey, but there are others get off and some get on. And uh, they see the same thing, I guess, as I do. On that side, they might see different things. And sometimes it's a rocky road. Sometimes it's smooth. We go through tunnels. And you know what I want to say to you, our Christian life is very much like that journey. And sometimes we've got people that go all the way with us. And sometimes we've got people that hop off the journey. Some hop on and they hop off. And uh, we're all in this together. And, you know, I was thinking, like with the early church, there's a lot of us in the church were here together and have been from the long run. But 
I just want to talk first about a scripture over in Acts 15, just to, to tell you how, you know, the foundation of the church. And in Acts 15, uh, 10 and 15, it's talking there about a man, Cornelius. And this man, he was of a different nation to Peter and the apostles. And he was, the Lord showed him Peter in a vision. He said, I want you to go and send for him and I want you to get him to come and tell you um, what I want you to hear, how to direct you. And um, he sent these men over to where Peter was. But in the meantime, Peter was, uh, um, had to go up to the upper room. And while he was up there, he had a vision from the Lord and a sheet came down and it had all these different animals on it. And the Lord said, Peter, I want you to rise up and I want you to eat. And he said, you know what, Lord, I don't eat anything that's common or unclean. And the Lord said to him, don't call something I've cleansed common and unclean. And um, this was a real mystery. And this was an opening eye for Peter that the gospel was for everybody. The gospel was for everyone from every nation. And it made me think about myself and growing up in Narendra and being a part of an Aboriginal community and knowing that my people were here year in and year out. But do you know they weren't citizens of our country until 67? We weren't a part of the consensus. We weren't a part of the voting. We didn't make decisions in any way because we weren't citizens of our country, not till 67. That's amazing, isn't it? 1967, we didn't, weren't citizens. But I just want to say that not only Aboriginal people were in a situation like that, but you've got a lot of people that came into our country that were Greeks, Italian, people from all walks of life. But do you know the Bible says to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And it doesn't matter what background you are or anyone out there. It doesn't matter whether you're poor, whether you're rich, whether you're Greek, whether you're Italian. The Lord says, I want you in the body of Christ and I died for you regardless. This is a mystery of the cross and even it goes on in there talking in the Bible about the Gentiles and the Jews. And even they started to preach to the Gentiles. And they started to include people in that. And um, I just want you to know, and the Lord says there in John um, 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let's not be troubled about all those things. You know, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there, you may be also. And Thomas said to him, Lord, but we don't know where you're going. And Jesus said, yes, you do. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But then Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. And he said, wait a minute. If you were with me, you would know the Father because I am in the Father and the Father is in me. He was talking here about unity, being one with another the Holy Spirit, Jesus and God. Because he goes on to say, do you know what? I'm going away, but I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to tell you all things. He's going to show you everything and greater work shall you do because I go to the Father because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And this is what Acts is all about. Over there in Acts 4. 
and that verse 32. These people all come together as one because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit over there, and and it's been going through it with us, that scripture in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me both in Judea and all Samaria. So here's the Holy Spirit in this place where these people were, where he said, first of all, you know, they were all there, they were in one accord, they were one spirit, they were one soul, they were in one mind. And um, they were able to be together in oneness and in unity because of the Holy Spirit. So what I was going back to say, when we receive Christ as, the Holy, uh, as our saviour, we become one with him, but we become a part of the body of Christ. And these people that were in this um, room, uh, in this church, they were one with the Lord and they were one with one another. Um, And I really believe that our church and our body of Christ, when we come together and we're filled with the Spirit, we all become like-minded. We become one like Jesus was one. That's what he said, that he wanted us one like the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that's what the body of Christ is like. And there's a beautiful picture of the church over in Psalm 133 where he says, how good it is to dwell in unity. It's like oil poured down on Aaron's beard, going down to his robe. And, you know, unity, it's just like that. And I think about oil, and it is a representative of the Holy Spirit, but um, someone told me that coconut oil is very good for your hair. And sometimes it's in a hard block, and I melted in a pot. I know my hair's not wonderful now, but I put it on my hair to make it shiny, but I love it. I love rubbing the oil through my hair, and I love it coming down. I rub it into my face. And you can just imagine oil all over you. It's just lovely. It's just beautiful to feel the oil. And this is what he's saying in this scripture, how good and pleasant it is, the unity. It's a real good feeling to be in unity and and to be with one another. Um, And um, I just want to say that with that unity, one with another, sharing with one another, um, I've experienced this growing up because I grew up in the mission at Narendra and I've told you that before as an Aboriginal on an Aboriginal mission and there was a real community spirit. We lived five k's out of the town and the people there shared everything. They didn't have a lot of money but if the men went down to the river to get a bag of yabbies, they'd bring them back and they'd cook them up in the, in the copper and they would share them out to the community. And if mum was cooking a cake and she didn't have any sugar, she would go across, go across to Mrs Johnson's and ask her for a half a cup of sugar because I'm making a cake. Or go up to Auntie Bertha's, get a couple of eggs to put in this sugar. And this happened all over the mission. People were sharing and they helped one another. And I know I would not go next door and ask him for two eggs to make a bake cake because we don't live in that I asked him for lemons because he said I can come and get the lemons but do you know what I mean no I would never go around and ask people for something to make a cake because of shop and it just doesn't happen but that's the way the community was and if someone died we'd all go to their house and even sit up at night with them we would mourn with them we would cry with them 
And, you know, if someone had a wedding, people didn't, you know, go out and pick people to come to the wedding. Everybody was invited on the sand hill. And they'd go up the church and then they'd all bring a plate and it was a very community thing. And I really believe this church there in Acts uh, 4.32 was like that. It was a church that um, shared one with another and um, there wasn't anyone that lacked anything. They all shared with one another. They were to meet our others' needs. So I even believe, like, with our church, we can do this. I just want to, to go over to a scripture over in Kings. And you might think this hasn't got anything to do with it, but I just want to bring out a few points. In Kings chapter 2, and it's first, I'm pretty sure, it's first... Um, um, chapter 2, and it's um, verse 16. I just want to bring something out here for you to um, consider. Um, go back here. Sorry, I've gone past it. Um, it is verse 16, chapter 2. Now, two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. One woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I'd given birth that this woman also gave birth and we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she rose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side. And while your maidservant slept and laid him in the bosom, and had her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, not, but the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is yours, and the living. And they fought about this son. Who owned the dead son and who owned the living son? And they continued to bicker one with another about this son. So they decided to go to the king, Solomon, who was the wisest man then and before he'd prayed and God gave him this wisdom. But I just want to start this story here where these two women, you know, they had conceived. They had a seed planted in them to become pregnant. And I just know these babies were a gift and any baby is a gift. And I know when I was pregnant with my son and my daughter, what a beautiful gift to know that you have got a baby. And you know, this church, it came out of a seed that was planted. It came out of a seed that was planted, a seed that was conceived and started to grow. And we know who, who it was, we know who the Lord spoke to, to start this church here. The seed was there, the, the, the growth started, and when you're pregnant, you need to nurture that growth. And it's not always you on your own. You know, if you've got a family and the Lord gives you something, you start to talk to your partner about it, you start to talk to your pastor or those around us. The Lord has planted this in me to start this church. And I really believe this is what's going to happen. So this started and the, the gift started to grow and the nurturing was there. And sometimes pregnancy isn't always easy. You talk about getting morning sickness. 
Well, it isn't always morning sickness, it's all day sickness. Sometimes it's in the night. You go through all these sicknesses all the time and sometimes it goes right up to the nine months. It doesn't always happen just for a few weeks. But the sickness is there. But it's not always the way. Some people have a perfect pregnancy where you go through. But I'm just saying, this is what happens with this gift. You go through all of this and maybe it's a trial. Maybe it's testing to see really, is this what you want, God? But then when the time comes, you go into labour. And this is the time that's really painful. This is the time we, have I done the right thing? I remember when I was on the labour table with Mark. Oh God, should I have had this baby? I don't know, this is pain's too much for me, blah, blah, blah. And I just wonder about the conception of this church. Lord, the pain of it all. But here it is now, I've delivered. The church is here. How wonderful, I'm rejoicing, Lord, because the church is here. And I rejoice too because this church here at Kuhlman is a gift from God. <laughs> Hallelujah, I believe it. After all the pain and the agony that Annette and Steve and the pastors might have went through, here is the church. And you know, it's like a train, train trip because when Graham and I moved to Ganmain and we talked to Trevor, he said, oh, there's a church over at, over at Kuhleman, why don't you go over and visit? And we walked in there but there were already people on the train. There were already people right there in the church. And we came into the church and we sat down and this was a gift to us. You know, and there are other people there and I know they were in the church, but I don't know whether they appreciated the gift or whether they just lost the vision of the gift. But do you know Joseph got a coat of many colours? It was a gift from his father, but there was a lot of conflict there with his brothers and a bit of jealousy and a bit of this and a bit of that. And I don't want to go right into the story, but he lost his coat. And I'll tell you what, I've never heard of the coat ever since. I don't know if you did. Somebody who knows scripture might know a bit more about that coat, but I never heard about that coat. But even though he lost that coat, there was restoration to him too. And I just think these two women that were pregnant and one of these ladies that lost her gift, do you know what? She didn't accept it. She wanted someone else's gift. And I tell you what, every single one of us in this church, we have got a gift. This church is our gift. This church has come from God and we have come into it, and we have a vision. And what Annette was saying, if you weren't in the service last night, there was a real impartation of the gift of what this church is all about. And I know we're going to go to the meeting, we're going to share on the 16th. And these people, this girl lost it, and then she, they started bickering. And sometimes, you know, in our church, there is some disagreements, one with another, in our church and I think sometimes I wonder the lady here that was with this baby she said you know what the king said give me that baby and I will cut it in half and the lady must have been beside herself that really owned the gift and she said don't do it I'm going to give up my right to be right I'm going to give up what I think 
that makes me look good. It is my baby, but I'm going to give up my right. Don't cut the baby in half. I want this gift to live on. And I really believe that God, with all my heart, says to us, how willing are we to give up our little difficult ways, our little fleshly ways, to see that this gift lives on, this local church lives on, so as that it is strong and it's healthy. You know, I just love that story because it's a real gift in this certain woman to be strong and to keep the unity. You know, it's just beautiful. And that scripture, how good is it to dwell in unity? How good is it? You know, I was looking at that scripture and it was talking about the good. You know, and the good we can look at, it ought to be in that scripture. It ought to be. It is a requirement and it's our duty, that good, to keep the unity. But then when you look at pleasant, it's something we want, don't we? It's something pleasant. We want unity. You know, we want to rejoice and it's delightful to be in unity. Just delightful. And um, the unity itself, you know, we look at it and um, it's really got to do with, I guess, the actual theory of the church or the theological ground of the church where the whole church here, even though we're the local church, the pastor, we have a pastor and we have a senior pastor overall and we have elders and we have ministry teams and that is, you know, the theological side of unity. But we've got all those things in place in this local church. But, you know, I believe that that unity has got to do with what, going back, I believe that we've got all these things in the local church that these people had on um, 32, one accord. And I really believe, and I've seen this in our church, that if there's anybody hungry in this church, in the local church, I know you would not go hungry. There are so many people in here that would bring you a feed. If you went to any one per person's house in this church, they would share a meal with you. If you didn't have a coat to wear, they would give you a coat or they would give you something that you need. You would lack for nothing because I believe this is what our church is built on here. I've seen it for myself and I do believe it. So our church, in there it says it's in one accord and it's one soul and one spirit. So I do believe this local church does provide for us materially, but I believe that it provides for us spiritually. And I believe that everyone that comes with a need spiritually, that they're willing to pray for you, they're willing to support you in the word of God, to wait on God for you. We've got a prayer team that you can ring and, and, and say, would you pray for me because my son's um, sick or my daughter's sick. So we as a church will provide spiritually and in every way. And I believe that we as a church are represented as individuals, even though we are one, like I was talking about, we as one, we are individuals. And I was thinking about when I was in hospital and I uh, got up to go to the bathroom and the lady that was in the other bed, she was groaning. And I looked around and her face was screwed up and I went over to her and I said, are you all right? 
She said, no, I'm really in pain. And I said to her, you know what? I'm a Christian and I just want to know if I could pray for you because I believe in prayer. She said, well, you could pray for me. She said, but I haven't been to Mass for ages. And I said, that's all right. And it reminded me of the Bible study the night something Jan brought up that, you know, with faith, when we're sharing our faith, some people will say, I haven't been to church for years or I haven't thought about going to church. And it, it, it didn't matter, you know, and it doesn't matter to God. He's still re- willing to draw us in. And I said to the lady, it doesn't matter. I'm going to pray for you. And I laid hands on her and I prayed for her that God would heal her from the top of her head to the tips of her feet. And I prayed that the nurse would come in. She said, I've been waiting for this nurse, that she would come in and give me my painkillers, but they must be busy. And I prayed that God would um, bring these people in and uh, give her a medication. And she said, thank you. And I went back to my bed. And as soon as I did, the nurse came in with the painkillers. And I was just so blessed, you know, that I could share with this lady. And I'm not big-noting myself or anything, but I'm telling you that I represent this church. I represent this local church. And I know that I can share with people. I go to Coolum. I was like, um, one, of, one of us were in the coffee shop the other day having coffee and um, lady, I was saying to her, you know, do you sell... Um, sell um, steel-cut porridge here because we saw it on the internet. And she said, yes, we do. And I said, well, a friend of mine was talking about steel-cut porridge and how good it is. And apparently Steve and its husband shared with this person how good steel-cut porridge was. And I thought just little things like this from the church, sharing one with another of our expertise. But anyway, we got to share with this lady in the coffee shop and we told her all about Coolerman Church and we invited her to come along and You know, she said she'd think about it. But we are representative of the church. And I was saying the other day when I was praying that I I saw um, in a vision a book. And it's a book like this in the vision. And it had a hard page like this and a hard page like this and it had the spiral down there. And our church is like this book, I believe, the Father is our protection and the, the Holy Spirit and the, Holy Sp- and, and the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's like this book. And these pages are like us, all these people in the church. And we are like the church. And that, those people out there, they can read us like a book. Do you know that? They can read us like a book. And we can have our story, a true story in this book. And this spiral... You can open it up and you can add for more pages. And there is a scripture over in um, Corinthians 3.2 talking about how that we are a scripture and that the world out there, they read us like a book. And I believe that um, that's the way this church is here at Kuhlman, that we can become exactly in unity and the way that God wants us to be And when I was talking about a gift, and often, you know, we lost a gift. I don't know what happened to this lady with a baby. I don't know if she got drunk. I don't know whether she's just a heavy sleeper. But sometimes we get distracted at times, don't we? And we see and get distracted with different things. But God always welcomes back. Look at Joseph. I don't know what happened to his gift. 
But look at where he ended up. He had more power than the second most powerful person in Egypt. God raised him up to be a mighty man. And every one of us, we've still got the opportunity before the Lord to be what God wants us to be. So our church, I can put it into three words and after what Annette was saying last Sunday, we come to church to be edified, we come to church to be protected and we come to church to, um, gosh, what's the other one? Edified, um, protection and directed, to get some direction. You know that? And it's good, I've heard people say, I don't have to go to church. Well, I feel that coming to church, there's all those things, direction, protection and edification and I want to be edified. And going over to that scripture back to Acts 4, there was a man there by the name of Joseph, the angel read, Barnabas. And he was the son of encouragement and he encouraged people. He was able to give a word of encouragement and I just want to say, if you have a word of encouragement for anyone, even if you're going to tell them they look lovely today, even if you say, I'm glad to meet you, it's lovely just to edify, just to build people up, just to make them feel a part of, you know, and it's lovely to hear someone encourage you when you come to church and that's what church is all about, isn't it? Being encouraged and being protected. We protect one another because we pray for one another. So, and also we get direction from the word of God and that was a very good directional sermon last week and even our Bible study on Tuesday night on faith is very good. And this guy, this Barnabas, he's a a, a guy of um, encouragement and he had the right spirit. He was in one accord with the others and he, he sold his field and he bought the money and he laid it at the disciples' feet. But then where Angel read about this Ananias, he came in and he said, I sold the field for so much. And Peter straight away said to him, wait a minute, you're telling me that you sold this field and you're telling lies. You lied. You didn't sell sell that field for that much at all. He said, and I think he gave him the opportunity, his name was Ananias, to tell the truth, but he didn't. And he said, you know what? They're going to wait for you at the door. You, you have done the wrong thing. And then his wife came in and they gave her the opportunity. You've conspired with your husband. And he said, have you sold the field? And she said, yeah, we, we sold it for so much. And they lied. But do you know what? It wasn't the fact that they sold this field and gave so much money. It was that they lied about it. You know, they wanted to be like Barnabas. They wanted, everyone probably thought Barnabas did a really good job and they congratulated him. And they wanted this kudos, they wanted to be praised. But they did it all around the wrong way because they didn't have to give. They didn't have to give any of it. No one said you have to give. It was all a part of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And they did the wrong thing and they told lies. But you know, that there was a lot of wisdom in Peter, in the apostles, because they could have turned around and said, don't worry about it, we will just take the money and use it if they wanted to be money people. But know that a discernment was there in them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But these people, this Ananias and Sapphira, 
They weren't in the oneness. They weren't in a common um, spirit with everyone else. They did the wrong thing. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't give. You can still come to church. It's lovely to give. And even, you know, if you want to give. It doesn't matter if you only give $2. It doesn't matter if you give 10 and somebody else gives 100 as long as your heart is right with God and there is a real um, surrender to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is in you and he's directing you and you are following after God. And that's what I want more than anything, that I would be one with the Lord, that I would be one with the people in the church and that I can work one with another so as that when we go out there into the world, that we will be able to share the gospel. And that's what the New Testament is all about, missions, being able to go out there and share. And the other thing is to worship the Lord and we put the Lord first. And I just want to say at the end, there in um, John 17, 21, the last prayer that Jesus prayed was, Lord, make them one. That was Jesus's priority in his prayer. Lord, make them one. Let them come together, together in unity. Make them one because this is not a one-man show. This is all about the Holy Spirit dwelling in each other and we're all together in this so as that we can see that the world comes to know him. And um, I'll just leave that with you there and pray that you can see that you know, coming together and relying on the Holy Spirit in unity, it's going to make a difference to the church. And I love this little church and I believe that because of what goes on in the church and because of the Holy Spirit, and it says it in Acts, because of what happened there, the Lord added to the church. There were many people that came to Christ because of the church and because of the way it operated and because there was love there and concern for one another but mostly because they were dedicated to the Lord. If there was anyone at all needs any prayer or anything at all, you're welcome to come down and ask for prayer or if you want to talk about anyone. I know Annette, Trevor, anyone's here to um, give you a talk. Thanks, Annette. Thank you.